0: My name is Ryan Johnson. I'm the assistant pastor here at Cornerstone, and uh, we are very happy to see everyone here, especially any new-time visitors or uh, first-time visitors or um, family members visiting. Uh, Very grateful that everyone has come to worship the Lord with us this morning on this first day of 2017. Uh, If you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 18 to 26. So, did anyone make a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution. Is anyone planning to that hasn't yet? Okay, I'm not going to ask you to make one. Um, 45% of Americans make New Year's resolutions, I read, and only 45% of them keep them, so no point. Um, I mean, good luck. (laughs) But New Year's is a time when we take stock of our lives. People tend to take stock of their lives. <clears throat> we think about how we're doing or uh, where we're going in life. Um, we ask ourselves, what are our lives about? What are our goals? Are we just surviving day to day? Are we striving to excel in a career or improve our financial situation? Are we striving for relationships or to get in better shape physically? or?" you know, what, whatever it is, uh, we ask ourselves, what is life about? And God tells us in this passage today that ultimately our lives should be about one thing. Our lives should be about living for Christ. So I'm going to go ahead and read Philippians 1, 18 to 26. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, This will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. I pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you would increase our joy in you and our confidence, our joyful confidence in spending eternity with you. And I pray that you would uh, work in us to cause us to live for you, to ask ourselves uh, how we can do that. Lord, work in us so that we will be your faithful people, living for you in this life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a popular pastor named Francis Chan who uses an illustration that I like. Maybe you've seen it. He uses a rope. Um, He asks us to imagine that this rope is a timeline of your life. The Bible says that all people are eternal. We will live forever, whether in heaven or hell. Um, And so imagine that this rope goes on forever. And then um, he says to, to focus on this part and realize that this taped part of the rope is your earthly life. And it is sad that we all spend so much time thinking about this and so little time thinking about this. We spend a huge amount of energy trying to excel at careers which last from here to here. We work really hard to save up money so that we can support ourselves all the way to here. We get really uh, worked up about, you know, conflicts or things that last, like, you know. Uh, we, We get really excited and save up for vacations that last, you know, this far. It's sad that we spend so much time worried about this part. Even for Christians who know that we have eternal life, um, we still spend we still spend the majority of our time and attention focused right here. And if we thought more about this, it might inform us of what to do with this. So in today's passage, tie this off here. So in today's passage, God reminds us um, that eternity is better than earthly life. Um, in verse 21, Paul says, to die is gain. And then in verse 23, he says that departing to be with Christ is far better. Uh, when Christians die, our bodies decompose here, uh, but our souls go immediately into the presence of Jesus. We know that from places like Luke 23, 43, the A criminal dying on the cross next to Jesus trust in him while he's there on the cross. And Jesus says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And then the Bible tells us that eternal life is pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611, in your presence there is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So on earth, we may like uh, the pleasures of a loving marriage. But in eternity, we have the reality of um, intimate, loving relationship with God that marriage is pointing towards. On earth, we might like sports. But in eternity, we have the excitement, uh, we have the glory of God, and we even have the camaraderie that sports is pointing towards. Um, On earth, maybe we like the roar of a stadium. But in eternity, we'll experience the roar of God's people praising him. On earth, maybe we like food, um, but in eternity, we will enjoy the true satisfaction, the true delight of being in God's presence and with our brothers and sisters in Christ forever. Jesus gives us joy forever, and so we should live our lives for Jesus. Paul is writing this uh, this, this passage is part of a, a letter that he's writing from prison, Um For his faith in Christ, he's he's in prison for his faith in Christ. And he is writing before his trial, which will determine whether he lives or whether he dies. And Paul is saying that whatever time he has left, he's going to use it to live for Christ. In verse 21, he says, to live is Christ. So life is about knowing Christ. Life is about enjoying Christ. Life is about honoring Christ. And life is about serving Christ. So New Year's is a time when people take stock of their lives. So we're going to take stock. As we look back on 2016, to what extent can we say, I lived 2016 for Jesus? Do we know Christ better at the end of 2016 than we did at the beginning? Do we enjoy Christ more now than we did one year ago? How did we honor Christ in 2016? Did we dishonor Christ in any ways in 2016? Did we miss opportunities to honor Christ in 2016? How did we serve Christ in 2016? How did we take part in Christ's mission to make disciples of all nations? How did we serve people who are hurting in a broken world? As we look back on 2016, honestly, before God, can, to what extent can we say, I live 2016 for Jesus. My goal is not to make anyone feel guilty, including myself. Uh, Christ died to pay for our sins. And because of him, we stand before God not guilty. Christ lived the perfectly righteous life that none of us has lived. And because of that, God credits his righteousness to us so that God sees us as perfectly righteous in Christ. My goal also isn't to tempt anyone to pride. Uh, Even the most faithful people, uh, their faithfulness is due entirely to the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And all of us fall short in many ways. My goal isn't to make us feel guilty or to tempt us to pride. My goal is simply to ask us, at the start of this year, taking stock, are we living for Jesus? At New Year's, people look ahead to the coming year. So let's look at 2017. We already have many plans in place, most of us, on what 2017 will be like. More or less, we know roughly where we'll be living. We know roughly what we'll be doing. We, we even know major transitions that are coming our, coming our way, major events. So as we look at 2017, to what extent can we say, my plan in 2017 is to live for Jesus? Um, what, what are we planning so that one year from today, we know Christ better than we do now, We enjoy Christ more in 2017 than we did in 2016. We honor Christ. We serve Christ. What is our plan? To what extent do we plan to live for Christ in 2017? How do we plan to lift 2017 up as an offering of love to our Savior? So, life is short, eternity is long. God tells us he will give us joy forever with Jesus. And so we have this one chance to live for Jesus. And what are we going to do with it? How are we going to live for Jesus? Jesus gives us joy forever. So let's live our lives for him. We're going to live our lives for Jesus by growing in our relationships with him. This is Paul's goal for us. In this passage, he mentions our joy, our progress and joy in the faith. So if you haven't yet begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would invite you to begin today. Verse 25 mentions, oh, sorry. Verse 25 mentions the faith. The faith is the set of facts about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Jesus is God who lived a human life. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary lived a perfectly righteous life, went to the cross to pay for our sins, rose from the dead so that we can have eternal life with Christ, ascended, from, um, ascended into heaven where he's reigning now at the right hand of God, and will return uh, to fix everything and restore everything to the way it was supposed to be. We are saved when we believe that uh, what the Bible says about Jesus is true and also when we simply trust in him to save us. So this is the eiger, The Eiger is a 13,000-foot mountain in the Alps. We're looking at it from the north. Um, This is is the north face. This is a 6,000-foot vertical face of rock and ice. It's one of the hardest things to climb in the world. And in 1957, four men tried to climb it. When they got 1,000 feet from the top, they got, well, one of the guys got frostbite and couldn't continue. So they lowered him to a ledge, and the plan was for two of them to go for help. While they were going, unfortunately, the guy died. While, so they, they decided the, best, the fastest way to get help is to go the, the last 1,000 feet and then go down. As they did that, there was an avalanche, and they died. Now you've got one guy left, Claudio Corti, and he was hit by falling rocks. Um, so he can't continue, and so he's sitting on a ledge 1,000 feet up. The Swiss authorities decided it's too dangerous. We can't try to save him, and so they were going to just let him die. But 54 volunteers, volunteer climbers, said, let's try. And so 54 guys um, loaded hundreds of feet of steel cable onto their backs and an enormous winch, and they climbed up the side of the mountain. Then when they got to the top, they attached the winch to the top of the mountain and lowered Alfred Hellapart 1,000 feet down the mountain to Claudio Corti. When he got to Claudio Corti, he realized, this guy is going nowhere. Um, He'd been on this ledge. Uh, Apparently, he he ran out of food and water, and he was um, gnawing on the ice and snow to try to keep going. He even shattered some of his teeth in the process. Looking at this guy, he's like, this guy's going nowhere, even with help. And so he strapped Claudio Corti onto his back, radioed to the top, and they winched them both up to safety. Here's Claudio Corti after his rescue. We need to realize that we are helpless to save ourselves, just like Claudio Corti was. There's nothing we can do to get God to have a relationship with us. There's no way to be good enough to be saved. We need to realize that Jesus is God's rescue mission, just like Alfred Hellapart was lowered down to save Claudio Porti, Corti. Um, Jesus came down to save us. And we need to realize that we contribute nothing to our salvation. Just like Claudio Corti, all he could do was helplessly be strapped in. All we can do is helplessly rest on Jesus Christ and trust him to save us. So, if you have not yet begun a relationship with Christ, that's how you begin. Trust what the Bible says about who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and just trust Jesus to save you. Trust that Jesus has reconciled you to God. If we have begun a relationship, with Jesus, this passage tells us to keep growing in that relationship. In verse 25, um, Paul mentions our progress in the faith. So I think that the main way to progress in our relationships with Jesus is simply to fall more in love with Jesus. Uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus says, The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The way to draw near to God is through spiritual disciplines. And so, um, spiritual disciplines are things like reading the word, spending time with God in prayer. Um, You came out to corporate worship, that's a spiritual discipline. Um, Spending time in Christian fellowship. Um, If you are not yet, I would recommend that you start having a daily quiet time. A daily quiet time is just reading God's word, spending time with him in prayer. Um, If you're just starting out, I'd recommend that you read one chapter a day and pray for five focused minutes uh, on, on what you have read. And you can use a daily quiet time as a way to fall deeper in love with Jesus. The more our souls are satisfied with Jesus, the less we will look to other things to satisfy us, and that will cut off many of our sins at the root. Um, and even if we haven't been loving Jesus well, when we recognize that his love for us is unfailing and his grace Um, For our covers our sins, it will cause us to fall even deeper in love with Him. Another important way to progress in our relationships with Christ is just to express our love for Him with obedience. Our obedience brings joy to God. Ephesians five ten says, "Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord." We will always be sinful, um, but when we have an ongoing practice of obedience, it shapes our character to be more the way Christ is calling us to be. And we can look to Christ for strength to obey. When we trust that God knows what is best for us, then we'll be willing to obey him even when it's hard. And when we trust that God provides for all of our needs, we will uh, be willing to obey even when it requires sacrifice of something that we want. So one way to continue progressing in our um, relationships with Christ is just to express our love for him in obedience. A great way to grow in our relationships with Christ is to grow with others who are also wanting to grow. Um, So we are, we have community groups which are looking for additional members. I could help you connect with them. Um, We will have journey groups starting up in August. We'll also have uh, Sunday school classes starting in a week or two. So these would all be great ways to keep growing in our relationships with Christ in 2017. We also need to grow in our joy in Christ. In verse 25, Paul tells the Philippians he wants them to um, grow in their joy in the faith. And Paul sets the example in this passage. And he's writing from prison. He's uh, in danger of being executed. And he says in verse 18, he's rejoicing. Um, Hard things will come our way in 2017. But we can have joy knowing that Christ goes through all of them with us, and we can have joy remembering this, uh, that we have eternity of joy with Christ. We should also live for Christ by serving him. So I work with Jen Pozo in the youth ministry, and she wears this ring, which I just learned about recently. This ring says the the word sojourner. It also has the verse uh, that we're looking at today, and Jen wears this ring because it's a reminder to her that as long as she is here on this earth, it's because God still has work for her to do. That's exactly what this passage is saying. Paul is saying, as long as he is still on earth, he will use the time to live for Christ. In verse 22, he says, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So we should live our lives for Christ by serving him. Because of who Paul is, was, I think that when he says fruitful labor, he's probably talking about word ministry because he's a missionary. He's a preacher of the gospel. Um, So we should serve Christ with word ministry. As long as we're still on earth, we should use the time to share the gospel with others. So who are you hoping to share the gospel with in 2017? Who are you hoping to lead to Christ in 2017? In verses 19 and 20, Paul says that he would need courage and the help of the Holy Spirit in what he's going through, and so we can be confident that we have the help of the Holy Spirit and uh, in our mission to reach St. Mary's County with the gospel. We should also, word ministry also means discipling people, helping people grow in um, their maturity in Christ. Who are you hoping to help grow in their maturity in Christ this year, and how will you go about it? So because of who Paul was, I think that he probably meant Word ministry, when he was talking about fruitful labor, but there's also deed ministry. We can serve Christ with deed ministry. We can serve Christ by loving others as Christ has loved us. We can serve Christ by raising our kids in a way that honors Christ. We can serve Christ in our jobs by being Christ's hand, hands and feet in the world. Our church has a lot of opportunities for deed ministry in the sense of ABCD ministry or work life or WARM, which is coming up next or in a couple weeks. So a lot of us may be familiar with this guy, Jim Elliott, but I think his example uh, makes makes this crystal clear. Jim Elliott was born in Portland, Oregon in 1927, and he became a Christian at the age of six. As he grew up, he became convinced that God was calling him to take the gospel to people who had never heard it. And so he and a group of friends decided to go to Ecuador to share the gospel with the Waorani tribe. They arrived in Ecuador when Jim Elliott was 24 years old, and they started by reaching out to another tribe called the Quechua's. Then they uh, learned the o- o- Waorani language. They lowered gifts to them from a small airplane. Then they landed on—Jim um, Elliot and four other guys— they landed on a, a sandbar in the Curarai River to, to meet these uh, Waorani's and share the gospel with them. And then the Waorani's came and speared them all to death. Jim Elliott died at the age of 28 in Ecuador. His example is inspiring to me because he knew the risks. He knew the Waoranis could become violent. He knew the risks of going to Ecuador. But he he decided that serving Christ was more important than staying alive. He said in his journal, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Several years after he died, um, his wife, his widow, went and finished the job with, um, an, with the sister of another guy who died on the beach that day, Rachel Saint. They went and continued sharing the gospel with the Waorani tribe, and many of them did become Christians. I like this quote, only one life twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. So we are only on earth for a very short time, What will we do in 2017 to serve Christ? We also serve Christ through prayer. In verse 19, Paul points to the prayers of the Philippians as a game changer in his life. Um, He says he's going to this trial, but he knows that he will stay faithful during the trial because he knows the Philippians are praying for for him. And so this shows us that we can serve others by praying for them. So I think that my wife is a good example of this. I don't know if you guys are her Facebook friend or not, but every Tuesday she solicits prayer requests from people. So you could all friend her and send her prayer requests and overwhelm her this Tuesday with prayer requests. And um, she, she sets aside that day to pray for others. As I was working on this sermon, I was, just convic- was one of the things I was convicted of is being more steady and faithful um, in my prayers for others. Not just praying for them when they come to mind, but getting an organized prayer list to be steadily praying for others. This is one way of serving, um, for serving Christ. And we need to serve Christ to the end. Some of our friends and family may have died in 2016, and that is very sad. But God assures us in verse 23 that they have gone somewhere far better if they are followers of Christ. They have departed to be with Jesus. And the sad truth is that more people will probably die in 2017. But if they're followers of Christ, we can be prepared in some, to some extent now, knowing they're going somewhere far better. They're going to be with Jesus. And so um, realize that you never know when you're on your last lap. And so keep running for Jesus. Um, we never know when we'll go uh, to be with him. So... In 2017, realize time is short. Live for him. So my son is coming soon. I've known this in theory for about eight months because I took high school health. Uh, But um, the signs are increasing. He really is coming soon. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about Braxton Hicks contractions. Uh, but those are happening, and uh, our baby is now head down, and uh, there are other signs. He is coming soon. We are excited. I've expressed my excitement by spending way too much money on baby things and way too much time uh, putting lots of baby furniture together and getting this baby room together. And I, there have honestly been times that I've been so excited that I wasn't able to really think about anything, and I was just sitting there, like, like shaking. I don't know if this is normal, but... I'm really very excited uh, that we get to be parents of our little son. But, having a baby is here. And when Paul wrote this passage, he knew about babies... And he knew about uh, the joys of marriage, and he knew about good food, and he knew about friendship, and he knew about sunsets over the Mediterranean. And he said, God speaking through him, what comes next is far better. And so we need to realize Jesus gives us joy forever in relationship with him but we have this one chance to live for him. And so use it. We have 2017 to live for Jesus. Let's live for him. I'll go ahead and close this in prayer. Jesus, thank you so much for the assurance that we will spend eternity with you. It is incredibly good news. Lord, let it drive us. Lord, let us not look to this life to to give us all of our joys. Let us use this life to serve you and serve others. Lord, let us grow closer to you this year. Let us know you better, walk with you, and serve you. And Lord, um, let us see the fruit of a growing relationship with you, and even fruit for your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.